Hey everybody, welcome to the Punk Till I Die podcast number 18. And after our after episode number 17, which was epic in scale, I think we're going to do uh, go back to the more of a normal stripped down, you know, Tom and Neil episode. So anyway, I'm Tom, you know that. How yeah. you doing, Neil? I'm okay, man. I tell you what, I'm exhausted after that episode yesterday. That was That was really something, wasn't it? That was a long one. That was a good one though. Well, I mean, I hope everybody was, else enjoyed it. Was, it. it. I, I, I tell you what, I hadn't laughed that much in a long time, and I felt like uh, Rick was just one of the gang, at least by the end, man. Damn straight. It was, I mean, uh, yeah. It really was. It was, uh, you know, we always say that this show is just like a couple of guys sitting around having a couple pints talking about punk rock stuff. He uh, definitely didn't have a problem jumping right into the fray. No, man. He, and, I, and, and, and sort of from a perspective of somebody who actually, you know, had some success in punk rock. Yeah. <laughs> unlike, unlike you and I, you know, just sort of fringers for life. But, yeah, uh, for no, sure. that, it was... It, it was really great, and uh, you know when we started doing this, I, I remember saying, "Man, we got to try to keep them around an hour, around an hour." I think that's the the sweet spot, you know. People yeah. commute to work; they can let's do it on the way there and back. That one went uh, what did you say about two hours and ten minutes? Two hours ten minutes, and, and you know, and I was actually tempted. Um, we were thinking about it: should we split it in two and make it two episodes? But sometimes that can be kind of a that can be kind of a drag, and I think. I think it's flowed together really well and hung up together yeah, really well. So. As as it, I, it's I, a long one for sure, but it's good. Well, and I think most of these are running, a, you know, close to an hour and a half. I I gotta think a lot of people listen to them in chunks. Um, maybe don't just listen to them all the way through. I but I, I guess I don't know because when I used to, when I was uh, you know when I used to listen to the punk news podcast before I was on it all the time. I know a lot of times I would ha- you know if I was at work I'd listen to a chunk of it and I'd have to stop and go do something else and. So well, I, I I don't know that somebody's gonna sit down. I mean, it's like a. I mean, I I guess I guess it depends on the kind of job you right? have, right? Two hours and ten minutes. Yeah, I'm, I mean, if you've got an office job and you and you're just sitting at your desk all day, you know, two hours and ten minutes might help you to get from breakfast to lunch pretty easily, you know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Or if you have a horrible, really horribly long commute. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, we made, you and I made the executive decision pulling back the curtain here a little bit. You and I made the executive decision that we didn't want to have a week where we or we didn't want to do have a guest on two episodes in a row. So every time we had a guest on, we would do one where it was just you know just the old guys shooting the BS. So we we ended up having some bonus episodes because next week we're going to have another guest. So we were kind of this is sort of a bonus episode, people. So you know. Yeah, so enjoy Appreciate it. Yeah. The bonus content. Even though we're a little light on subject matter, but that usually doesn't necessarily translate into us not finding plenty to talk about. So, so who's the uh, who's the, who's the guest next week? Let everybody know. Who do we got? Uh, it's it's going to be Matt Swisher. He uh, owns a couple of little record stores in Indiana and runs a label called Failure Records and Tapes, and he and I have become friends over the years, and I really like what he does, and he's... Uh, like doing some st- cool stuff in rural Indiana, you know, sort of like the guy building the baseball field in the middle of the cornfield yeah. in Iowa. He if they it, build they it, will come and yeah, he's, yeah, he's building kind of a it's kind of a cool scene over there. And uh, so he he's the guy putting on that him that show. He's the guy putting birthday he's, show. Come up and, he's the guy yes, putting, the putting on the show, on the show with, down in Logansport. So okay. yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk all about that and uh, talk about. And he also put out the we had BA on a few weeks ago from Sloppy Seconds, and. Uh, Matt's the guy who's been reissuing a lot of the uh, sloppy second stuff. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. All right, that makes so, sense. So yeah, it's all well. And you know, I made the joke, and I think I did while we were taping, about how like if you're involved with punk in the Midwest scene, you're only a couple degrees separated from everybody else. You know, right? It's just uh, it's sort of a 
I don't want to say it's inbred because it's not exactly inbred, but it's you know it's a relatively small scene. And I met Matt through a friend of mine, and much like you and I, Neil, we just hit it off, and he and I just started chewing the fat, and we have the ability to sit there for kind of hours on end and just shoot the BS too. So, so you've been down to this thing in uh, in Logansport before? I have. Right? I've been to the birthday show. I've been to the record store, and uh, I he's he's putting out these series of uh, seven inch split seven inches. And it reminds me so much of like my record collecting heyday, like twenty five years ago. So I've become fairly obsessed with getting all these things. Uh, he's uh, they just put out the fifth one last year, and that was uh, Ringworm and Childbite. Childbite's a cool band from Detroit, real weirdo, noisy punk metal. Mm-hmm. Ringworm's a hardcore band from Cleveland. Um, and before that, they did the Queers and Bass and Badano, and they did Sloppy Seconds and Danger Bird, and they did, oh gosh, I don't know, don't put me on the spot. But anyway, they're Against the Grain and the Dwarves. There's my dog. All the dwarves he had, huh? That's cool. Yeah. yeah. What is she pop rocker yelling about? Uh, <laughs> oh. That's a nice but thing yeah, about it. I said it was very quiet around here earlier, but now it, people are coming and going and yeah. slamming doors and putting away pots and pans. And now, I, uh, talking about talk, usually, talking about the episode yesterday, it might not have yes. you you might not have even known this, but I actually probably hadn't spoken to Rick in thirty years. I knew that, was it been that long? I it knew has kind of lost touch. And the irony now that you're only like fifteen minutes apart. It is. It is weird, right? Um, I mean, you guys have to get together and have lunch. I mean, I don't want to be a gay matchmaker for you two, but you, you really <laughs> need to get together and, and break bread or have a pint or something. No, we actually talked about that. Maybe doing it like the Saturday after next and and uh, and reconnecting and having a pint. Because yeah, I think the last time I saw them was at like exit in nineteen ninety something like that. Because I'd moved oh, up to Chicago right? by that point wow, and. That is- I can't believe 1990 was 30 years ago. Right? Isn't that crazy? Um, it really he, is. He was still living down in Champaign. The band was still down in Champaign at that point, I think. So, um, yeah, I saw him at Exit about... It was either Exit or Cubby Bear. Um, well, I, lo- I love the fact that you hadn't talked... Yeah. By the end of, like, the second hour, it was uh, just a free-for-all of insults and <laughs> yeah. breaking as if... You know, <laughs> those thirty years just melted into the ether. So free for all is right. Uh, it, it might have been a cubby bear actually, and I might have seen him with Elvis Hitler. I don't, 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 don't know if you oh, remember nice. that. Band. Elvis, great Detroit, Detroit uh, psychobilly band, yeah. Elvis Hitler. Yeah. <coughs> um. So yeah, it's kind of fading into the into the mists of time as to as to which which show it was the last time I saw him. But anyway, yeah, it's been a long time since I saw those guys. So, but. Uh, <coughs> As with most things, the memories of your of your youth, you know, you can still remember a lot of that stuff, and it's still sure. pretty pretty important to you. So, are you uh, are you you still got the coronavirus, or are you take your gin and tonic down the wrong pipe there, or what? Uh, just you know what, I, I, it's just developed into a, into a cough now, and uh, I, I just get caught short by it at work sometimes. I'll be coughing up lumps of lung basically you know all of a sudden just out of nowhere like disgusting everybody in the cubes around me probably right upsetting them completely but uh you know suddenly it just chokes me and it... so yeah but no i'm on the, i'm on the mend i think yeah i've kicked the so, coronavirus now there you go so i had never so i cannot for the i don't believe i've ever seen i ever saw one of rick hmm. and i thought that i had seen that you know, I thought that he, the timing was right, that he would have been on that uh, White Zombie Ramones um, Super Suckers tour that I saw. And I looked it up today. It was the end of that, uh, November of 95. 
I saw that tour. Okay. Well, Whenever I think about that, it, it, it reminds me of this anecdote that I will tell, and I've, I've been threatening to tell it. And uh, a, a couple years ago, I was seeing uh, Agent Orange. Okay. Ooh, I'm, a, I'm a huge I'm a huge Agent Orange fan. I know you're a big fan of them too. You know you have yeah, some who of their isn't? Early, I mean, for God's sakes, so stuff. good. But the thing with Agent Orange, and I I still love the band. And I still go see them anytime they come close. But the truth is, they, they put out their best album in 1981, and nothing since then has really even come close to it. Well, you know? that's well, yeah, that's not just true of them though. I mean, if you look at no, Bad no, Brains, and, you and know, it's, well, and it's just it's Mike Palm and a couple of younger guys. Even though he has a real steady band, he's not he doesn't have a pickup band. He's got the same guys. Um, but yeah, Mike Palm, the singer guitar player, who's a phenomenal guitar player, honestly. Yeah, um, among like the punk guitar players, maybe like the most technically skilled. You know, I mean, uh, among the most. I mean, he's just very good. But a couple of years ago, I saw him at this little tiny club and. I was talking to him, not that, not like he and our buddies or anything, but they play small clubs, so it's not real hard to get at him. You know, he's usually walking the floor after the after the show and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking to him, and I say, "Hey, I saw you were going out on tour with the, you know, they were doing some co-headlining shows with bands like the Queers and the Ataris and all the, all these bands. I don't remember who who all it was." He said, "Yeah, we've been doing a little bit of that, but I ultimately I'd rather you know headline, just headline." smaller places and he said he said you know like like joey ramon used to say the ramones don't open for anybody i said but that's bullshit i said i only saw the ramones twice and the second time they were opening for somebody and he looks me looks at me square in the eye <laughs> real serious like and he said way to call bullshit on johnny ramone <laughs> <laughs> And I always thought that was strange, but you know, it was it was funny. I mean, he's he is he's pretty tongue in cheek. I remember the first when I was started seeing them in the early two thousands again. I thought, man, this is a lounge act, but he's very self aware. He understands his situation. He understands that he's a you know guy pushing sixty who still rides a skateboard, and you know everybody wants to hear songs from his from his nineteen eighty one. Yeah, record. I mean, I, you'd almost call them like a surf punk band at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're almost more surf, Dick Dale style than anything else. They definitely have a lot of that because they always played a lot of those instrumental songs. Yeah, yeah. But by the same token, I mean, that first LP, and like I said, the first LP, they caught Magic in a Bottle. And they never really were able to get that again. But, man, the songs from Living in Darkness had an edge to them, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, that they, whole... they might have had a little bit of that surf song, but they were good songs, dark songs. Yeah, that whole EP is just, is just it's not it's killer start to finish. There's no there's no filler on that one at all. It really is. And, I mean, even when I'm thinking about playing a song from it, I'm like, oh, you know, the title track, Living in Darkness, is great. Their first single from, like, 79 Bloodstains is really great. Um Cry for help in a world gone mad. Amazing I, I song. Even, I, yeah. I can't even think of everything turns gray. I mean, I can't even. But we should. Uh, we should in, anyway. In in uh, although the story didn't really come from the Rick interview because because he didn't actually play the show that I was thinking of. But uh, we should play an Agent Orange song. I I hope everybody pretty much knows the big Agent Orange songs, right? Um, you would think so, but you never know. I mean, you know, younger younger kids might not, and you know, some That's casual true. casual there listeners might younger, not. So, there are some younger kids. Yeah. So, do you want to do you want to play something? This is some sort of a bizarre history class or something. Yeah. Do you want to play something? Yeah. Let's do uh, let's do Bloodstains. Let's do their first single. That was about seventy nine or something. And they redid it for the 
Living in Darkness album. Yeah, and I believe if you can riff. find, hold on one second, you talk, talk amongst yourselves a second. Because mm-hmm. this, I believe, if you can find the original single from 79, let's see how much this sucker is going for these days, shall we? What do you think? Take a guess. If you can get the original, the original forty-five. Let's see, because it's the I think it had a classic like red cover with like black and white checkerboard and stuff like that from nineteen eighty. Uh, yeah, yeah. um, Bloodstains, America, and Board of You on Agent 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 Orange Records. Oh, is that self-released? No kidding. Yeah. Oh, actually, you can't you can't get it. None, none available on Discogs. Because they were a posh boy band too, I believe, weren't they? Uh, event. Yeah, yeah. Their um, the first EP came out on I posh mean, boy. People listening have no idea that we were talking about posh boy earlier, but yeah. Okay, so the repress, not even the first press of the Agent Orange single, because you can't get that. But the repress from 1980 is going for 200. Wow. So yeah. Minch, so. that was a dollar ninety five when you were a kid, right? Yeah, yeah, I, no shit. And then everything turns gray came out a year later. Oh, no, that you can get that reasonably cheap for like twenty five bucks or something. So that's not bad. Right, but yeah, that first one. I actually have the first Living in Darkness, which was the twelve inch EP on Posh Boy. Yep. Yeah. Was that because was that an EP? Because it was like eight songs, right? I- uh yeah what's eight songs would you call that an album i don't know would i you? don't know some of those those a lot of the 80s punk albums were so short i mean 15 minutes was an album right yeah i mean i, I, I mean guess, circle yeah. jerks group sex album was 14 minutes long or something yeah, but it had like, four, had like 14 songs on it though right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah all right well that that um the original living in darkness album then that goes for 65 so I think I got that. I've got that first press. I think I am. So. I am. I am desperately looking for the drastic plastic represses from the from the teens. Of what? The Living in Darkness. Yeah, it used to be pretty easy to get, but they're all gone again. Even those are going for fifty or hundred bucks, and th- those are only they're only five years old. Well, dude, you can just just get the original for sixty. I mean, yeah, <laughs> maybe because it's newer, it's better. Is that it? I'm gonna have to find it in the wild. Yeah, some you know some of these record stores have dusty shelves and don't. Not everybody does discogs. A that, lot of record stores yeah. do do discogs, but not all of them. So I'll, I'll find it. You know what kills me I'm, though? I'm I'm looking at this right. I'm looking at this repress, the one you're talking about, the drastic plastic one. Yep. And um, you're right, it's expensive. Holy shit, it's a hundred dollars. Um, Small quantity probably. And they might do a good job with the vinyl. Like it might be 180 yep. gram, and you know, blah yep. blah blah. They might do a good job. Dollar heavy, yeah. But they haven't done a good job with the sleeve. The sleeve looks like they just took a photocopy or something of the original sleeve because it's all blown to hell. Um, and I hate it when they do that, when they don't spend any time at all on the sleeve. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you see that a lot sometimes when, they, when they'll repress an album. And they obviously don't have... They can't get to the original artwork, but you think they do a better job of doing a doing a thing on the sleeve. Well, we've heard That's the horror shame. stories of people losing the original artwork, you know? Yeah. It was all... All this stuff was all before computers and... Well, fine, but I mean, they're all, they're all high-end scanners. I mean, you could get a really, you know, just get someone who knows what they're doing and spend a half hour on it, and you could get a really nice repro of the of the uh, well, yeah, of the but, sleeve. But, that's, but what happens with that stuff? I mean, okay, you you were talking, we were joking, giving you a hard time. How about how your band McWilson in the '80s? You played like four shows, right? Yeah, five shows, I think. Yeah, the last five one was shows. with the Digits. And as a matter had, of fact, <laughs> the Digits flyers. killed us. <laughs> and you had fly, and you had flyers and stuff, right? Yeah. We showed it. But what happened? What, what did you do with them? They got put in folders. They got stuck in crates. And 
you know, that's the same thing that happened to artwork and everything else from that era. And once in a while, I'll be going through my basement and I'll find some cool stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, here's the template I used to make my cassette from 1994. It's funny, man, looking back in those days, like everything was like letter set letters, pressed down letters and, uh, oh, yeah. and like things cut out of magazines. Well, and I had like, like when we did our first tape, we had like these big, like these double sized sheets of paper. So a normal piece of paper is what, eight by 10 or something. So these are like. And if I like, you know, yeah. 16 by 20 or whatever, and we could lay out X amount of of covers on there. And we had this clear, the thing I found was like this clear template that laid the words were on this clear, like mm-hmm. microfiche looking thing that yeah, laid over the colored yeah. thing at Kinko's and just to make copies. And it was just, I mean, it, it's amazing when I look back the uh, the amount of work that I was eager, that I put into that stuff. Now it, it seems so daunting. Well, yeah, I'm, like, well, I like mean, to do all that stuff, you know, like now I just pay somebody to do all everything, obviously. Well, the, well, the computer just made all that stuff so easy. But yeah, when I yeah. first started out in the graphics industry, yeah, it was all done like that. It was all manual paste up and, you know, overlays and stats done with a stack camera and stuff like that. And uh, uh, okay. it was it was all it was all hand put together. And it was uh... you'd make copies until the original <coughs> until it got so faded you could barely tell what it was. Dude, and, and you be- make copies of copies. You'd forget where your which one was your original. And your best friend was the guy that worked in the copy shop who would uh, run off like oh, two hundred yeah. copies. I mean, because we did zines, right? I told you I've talked about that before. Yeah, we yeah. did skate zines, but yeah, all that stuff was hand done, and then you would take it to the to the um to the copy shop to Kinko's or whatever, and after hours, yep. and maybe Clark would uh, run off two or four hundred for us, you know, whatever it was, and then we'd Charge spend. Yeah. yeah, and then we'd spend a week folding and stapling and shit. Yeah. That was that was always no fun. <laughs> so your hands were black. Yep. Yeah. With ink. Yeah. Yeah. Those, no, I, I, those I, the I'm days. totally there with that. But yeah, I and you know we've talked about this before. I love the good cover art, but man, I, those old black and white that means something to me. That old black and white look like they're hand folded seven inch yeah covers that was my salad days you know anyway i'm sorry man i took it completely off uh what are we doing? off we topic we... no you gotta play the song <laughs> I took... playing a, we're playing an agent orange no no that's all right let's so let's do uh, agent orange bloodstains you yeah. know i'm regretting not plant, doing living in darkness but let's do bloodstains well, well we, 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 do, we could do both if you want we're pretty damn sure some other time now nah, let's just let's do bloodstains all right bloodstains by agent orange from 1980 <laughs>
there you go. That was Bloodstains, Agent Orange, fantastic band. Go see them if you get the chance. They tour probably a couple times a year. They're always here, basically. Um, they used to they used to come through Grand Rapids almost every year. I haven't seen them for a couple of years, but they're not they're not a real big draw anymore. No, they're not. Well, I think it's one of those things. We like we were talking about this yesterday. I think that uh, some bands. I think out. with Ag- with Agnostic Front, we were talking about it. They just don't draw yeah. that much anymore because they they they're here like at least once a year, sometimes twice a year. So you know, it, it's it's. Not, I have not uh, seen Agnostic Front for twenty years, but I'm, I'm, and I would love to see them. And they're do, but the Detroit like the Detroit show with Sick of It All, which is a great bill. Sick of It All is another band that's been around for over thirty years, and they are great. Mm-hmm. They're still a great live band. These geezers, man, they 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 just they have the energy. You know, you look at these young bands; they stand around staring at their shoes. These guys are all over the place. Yeah. That guitar player, because the guitar player and the singer are brothers, and I can't think of their names right off the top of my head. But that guitar player, I mean, he's like freaking Air Jordan, man. It's amazing. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, I, I digress. Um, but yeah, they're playing. They're playing the Shelter, a great venue in Detroit. But it's on a freaking Monday night. Yeah, they're playing. Uh, they're playing Subterranean here, which is a uh, another I tiny venue. Week- tiny. I think they're on a weekend in Chicago, actually. Uh, yeah. Let me let me pull that one. The problem is, up. there's so many shows coming that you know we've talked about this. We're gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to be selective. I mean, I can only make so many runs down to Chicago or Detroit or whatever. Yeah. No shit. So, they're playing local a Sunday. Sort of a, local, local shows sort of get the priority, even though they're usually not quite as good as the out of town shows. Yeah, so they're so they're playing um, they're playing on a Sunday here. Hmm. So I got Amel and the Sniffers on the Friday, Agnostic Front on the Sunday, Anti Flag are playing the following Thursday, and then I've got the Granddaddy of them all, the Kings of Psychobilly, the Meteors are playing at Reggie's on the next fri- on the Friday. So there's like so there's like four shows in a week there. Yeah, that, and the that, sniffers. That's too I, bad that meteor show. So you so actually the me, yeah the meteors are on Friday and I feel like there's something on that Saturday. Oh, that's the GBH GBH Saturday. Which to me is a huge one because I've never seen them. Yeah. So, so I, that's too bad the meteors are coming because I was actually going to try to talk you into going to Detroit to see GBH and. Uh, we go see GBH and uh, MDC and then hit Lansing on the way back because there's a show on Lansing on Saturday night. But well, even oh, even, well. even worse than that, I feel really bad for the Coffin Cats because the Coffin Cats were playing the Brower House on that Friday, on that same yeah. night, and that's been booked for that's been booked for months. And it just so happens that the Kings yeah, of Psychobilly they're doing Thursday here at a tiny little place. Yeah, but they're just playing. So this... wow, they're having those. Two... Wow, too bad they couldn't combine that, huh? Right. Um, but yeah, so the media's are playing the same night as the Coffin Cats, so I doubt if that many uh, people are going to be going out to the Coffin Cats that night. That's a shame. You think, or do you think, who knows how many people remember the Meteors? Oh, I, a lot. I mean, how many guys in their late 50s are going out to shows? You know, very few. Um, the psychobilly scene is pretty intense. Um, yes. like the people who were into it are really into it. So, um, yep. I don't know, and they're playing the rock club, they're not playing the... They're not playing the small side well, of Reggie. Dude, you gotta. I mean, what's the point of having creepers if you're only gonna wear them once or twice a year, right? Yeah. Get out that leopard print leather jacket, lined leather jacket. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, no. Here too, there, and I don't know if it's as good as it used to be, but there used to be a really good rockabilly scene here, and sometimes it'd be punk and rockabilly kind of combined shows, and you get a weird crowd out I, I i like those rockabilly cats i got nothing against them but i've never i don't really it's not my scene you know i know well, you're a little deeper with it than i am 
One of the funny things is like there's a there's a real big traditional rockabilly scene in Chicago, but it's kind of weird. Yeah. Like those traditional rockabilly guys who were just into stuff from the fifties and sixties, yeah. like they probably won't go to the meteors. They won't go to a psychabilly show. Really? It's, it's really weird. Yeah, it's really weird how that there's, there's like a huge dichotomy so right the there. Rock club. I wonder how many they'll get in there. Rock club holds about five hundred packed. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm hoping they get. I'm hoping they get a couple of hundred. You know. Yeah, a couple hundred at least. Hope so. Because I think the thing with Reggie's, and I'm not sure because I love Reggie's. I have no, I have, it's one of my very favorite clubs in the city. Is I think the owner just maybe kind of books what he wants. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe doesn't fear. You know, it's not a pure, purely capitalistic venture. You know, he's willing to maybe not make much money if it's something he likes. But I'm not positive on that. That's just my speculation. That's the way the pyramid scheme in Grand Rapids used to be too, but I think after a while they're like, we can't just uh, book bands for eighty people, you know? Right. The yeah. same eighty, by the way, the same eighty old farts every, you know, every old punk rock show. Right. So I can't hardly hold it against them for not booking my favorite bands, but it is it does suck that I have to drive everywhere. <laughs> now, how far is it to Detroit for you? I have tickets for also Anti Flag, which I'm sure is probably. What's that? How far? How far is Detroit, Detroit? for you again? Detroit's what, like oh, a two-hour two hour drive. It's almost almost as far as Chicago. Oh, it is. Holy Push, shit. Pushing three hours. Okay. To, to like the heart of it. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot easier to get to than Chicago. There's no time change. It's straight down the highway. Mm-hmm. Which is good and bad because on the way back, <laughs> trying to stay awake at like two o'clock in the morning when the highway is just that black straight highway. That was, that was a pretty sad story yesterday. Talking about that, huh? I had yeah. no idea that Digit story was going to go there. I mean, I mean, how many times could you could you have had that same outcome? Because I know with us, man, we always living where we lived, we we'd always go to Detroit and Chicago, and it's about a three hour drive, and we didn't really have any money, so we usually drive back. Right. And it it's horrific. I mean, last time I did that Detroit thing, I did it twice. One year with my daughter, we drove out down there. It was before she had her permit or anything, so I had to do all the driving. And man, I get to Lansing like, like an hour from home, and I was just, I was fighting it. You're doing yeah. that thing where you're like, oh man, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, starting to drop off. Yeah, and it, and it is, it does, it isn't any, it isn't, it doesn't make it easier that it's like one long straight road with nothing to look at, just pretty much just cornfields on the either side on the way down to Champagne. Yeah. It's just a dull, dull drive. Yeah, I we uh, I played down there in the late '90s. And I wish I knew what the name of the place was, but I have no recollection. We played out of state only a very few times, honestly. And we made friends with a band down there, and I can't remember what the name of the band was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not being helpful at all because I don't remember any of the details of it. But it was Champaign-Urbana. Well, a lot of the clubs I used to go to when I lived down there, but I left in 89. Mabel's was the big one. That was the big yeah, one. Been, that was uh, big... I think 98 we okay. played down there. Was it someone like the something Pig, the Blind Pig or something like that? Does that sound familiar? No, no recollection. All right. I wonder if I have a flyer somewhere. Probably in a crate somewhere. Thirsty Pig or something like that. Anyway. You know, uh, maybe, I'm not sure. But so you I had to play somewhere. Oh no! no go ahead. I was going to say you were talking about uh, weird, weird, um, weird gigs oh, oh, before oh, oh. with that Ramones thing, right? So that yeah, so that Ramones show, yeah, the Ramones were opening for White Zombie, which White Zombie was pretty big for a couple of years, and Johnny and Rob Zombie were friends. Um, as a matter of fact, I think Rob Zombie is one of the guys who was like right there at the end for Johnny. Yeah. 
Because he moved out as soon as the Ramones split up, he moved to LA. Um, but so it was it, it was a real weird scene because I think most of the, I mean, White Zombie was hardly like the heaviest heavy metal band, but they were definitely a metal a metal crowd band, and I don't think. I don't know that it was a super good fit on that show. We were there more to see the Ramones, obviously, and and it was it was it was a good show. It was only a half hour, twenty minutes from home at a small hockey rink. It was cool, but you know, I'm, I was you made me think about you know the some weird pairings I've seen over the years. Because back in the back in the day when rock and roll was king, it wasn't so necessary. But nowadays, I notice a lot of weird pairings again. I see punk and metal bands playing together all the time, and I know that never happened in your, you know, in your youth. Well, so when but, so when you so when you went to that one, did you stay for White Zombie or did, or did you leave after Ramones we played? We, I, the thing I must say in, in the def- in defense of White Zombie is they always had a pretty entertaining stage show. Okay. Lots of pyro. I mean, they, they put a lot of effort into their stage show. It wasn't just some... You know, four yeah. guys staring at their feet playing music. Yeah. How about you, man? What do you got? To, you, you see some weird bills over the years? Well, yeah. I mean, one one that comes to mind, and and it's not it's not so weird, but I think it was a couple of years ago. I saw it was on St. Patrick's Day, and I saw um, I I went to see Tiger Army because okay. they were playing, but Dropkick Murphys were headlining, mm. and um. I I can take or leave early Dropkick Murphys. I I, I don't hate Man, them, I but I love I'm, the first couple records. Yeah, but I'm not a, especially I'm not a fan now. And yeah. um, it was at was at the Aragon or one of those or the Riv. It was one, a it was at a place. it was at a big place. And uh, so I primarily went for Tiger Army, and they were excellent. And um, so they played for like 45 minutes, and uh, I, I, like because it was St. Patrick's Day, so there was lots of like drunk bros and kilts and shit. Yeah, <laughs> very very strange crowd. In fact, one huge guy came up to me, and uh, the person I was with at the time thought the guy was going to fight me, but he actually kissed me on top of the head, which was very weird. Um, <laughs> I remember going to Dropkick Murphy shows ten or fifteen years ago, and there was all these guys in kilts that were giant. They all looked they were like bodybuilders in kilts, right? Right. Yeah. It's a it's it's an it's an odd crowd. But in, uh, in the last time I saw Dropkick Murphy's, it looked like a after work like yuppie crowd yeah well i'll tell you what happened um in between tiger army and dropkick murphy's um they had like a video and it was a video about the history of the dropkick murphy's and i'm like do i really need to be seeing this if i'm at a show to see the band do i really need to see a video about the band before the band comes on and um that they came on and it was it was almost like spinal tap like each one of them had their own riser and it was just like, and even the bagpipe guy, and it was just like, you know what? Fuck this! I'm not staying. So I, I left. I left after about, I left after about three songs. That was, that so, you, but the problem is that, so you got to pay like thirty bucks to see Tiger Army in a big place play for, you know. A, yeah. It, it's true. I mean, yeah. it's, it's true, but it was, uh, it, actually, it was fine. I actually just remembered a much worse, a much worse combination, and it was, and I got tickets for free, so I. I, I my uh for many I, I i'm still good friends with the guy but i was good friends with the guy who was did a ton of reviews for the major daily newspaper here now the major daily newspaper is not what it used to be they had you know at the, when he worked there i think there was like 10 people in the entertainment staff and now it's you know there's like two you know right that's amazing it's newspaper. still going 
but he um, could pretty much do whatever he wanted. So we, yeah. we got free tickets for everything. And he was a big headbanger. So I went to a million heavy metal shows. But one of the strangest ones, and this was at a, a small hockey rink, um, Suicidal Tendencies was touring with ICP, the Insane Clown Posse. Oh, whoa, that ought to be an ugly crowd. Oh, <laughs> so I'm a big, I'm a big suicidal fan. So we went to this, and I can't, I don't know if we stayed till the end of ICP or not. It was so bizarre because they don't have a band or anything. It's just like two guys. They had like this weird swirly background circus kind of thing going on, but it's just two guys running around rapid you know yeah two guys in clown just, makeup right just like clowns and boy you talk about yeah and talk about unappreciative the icp fans were not in the suicidal tendencies at all oh that's weird i, I would have thought there might have been some kind of crossover there maybe but well, i guess not know, huh suicide, uh, icp does this big like festival thing every year and they have all different kinds of bands hmm they might have like have a guar, and they, mm-hmm. have, they might have like an agnostic front. They have a crazy eclectic lineup. Yeah. Um, it's the same with guar. You know, I mean, I saw the Dickies over for guar. Well, that would be a good show. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was. It, you know, it was. It was pretty cool. But yeah, so, I'm, as a matter of fact, <laughs> speaking of ICP, I remember years and years ago. So they're from Detroit, right? Oh, ICP. And, uh, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And they do this big thing it's called the gathering of the juggalos their juggalos, fans are called right. our yeah. juggalos right and a few years ago a few years ago hell it might have been before i had kids it might have been more than 20 years ago <laughs> a few when, years ago whenever yeah. it started i'm not i'm not sure because it's one of the early days but the early gathering of the juggalos was in um a western suburb of detroit and we we went to a tiger game you know detroit tigers baseball baseball fans my brother and i was baseball guys and we were their wives or girlfriends or whatever it was at the time. And uh, we'd go to the hotel and there's all these freaking people with their faces played like clowns. It was in, uh, I can't I can't remember what the name of the town was, but it, it, the, one of the, like I said, one of the western suburbs. And it was just like, what in the hell is going on here? Now, were they, uh, but, were they wrecking the hotel or were they well behaved? No, it was just, it was, I don't remember anything like that, but I just remember thinking, this is craziness. Yeah. Now, you wouldn't think twice about it. The world's gotten so much more twisted. I mean, 20 years ago, it was weird when there was people dressed like clowns in the hotel. Now, I'd be like, eh, whatever. Well, that would still be kind of weird, actually. I don't know. I'm not particularly a big fan of clowns. Thank you very much. No. No. <laughs> well, don't really like that. But I, talking about weird lineups, so that, that when when punk first started breaking in the in the late 70s, and the state still hadn't really gotten a hold of what it was, you know, they didn't really get the concept. So yeah, so the record labels had no idea what they were doing really. They all they knew was they had this new English band. So for some reason they sent the jam out with Blue Oyster Cult. Ugh. And you could imagine it didn't go well for um for the jam because yeah, the people that were going to see Blue Oyster Cult probably would not be into uh, English and you know and that was the jam in the early days. So they were energetic R and B, probably in black and white suits and stuff and doing their thing and. You know, Blue Cult were a bunch you of... You think that would be better than something like the Pistols or something, though, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean uh, it's diffi- yeah, they don't have many songs about telescopes. Or yeah, d- difficult to say with a bunch <laughs> of... I don't know where Blue Cult were from, but, you know, a bunch of drugged-out old long-haired hippies. They're and, from, like, New York or New Jersey. They're an East Coast band. Yeah. With flares so my, and my only, my only cowbell. Interest in, they had us. Uh, one of the guys from Blister Cult was like a second cousin or something to Howard Stern. Oh, is that right? 
<laughs> so there's actually one of their albums. I don't know which one, but has like a spoken word uh, intro by Howard Stern on one of the songs. Oh, that's that's a claim to fame, I guess. I mean, it's not as good as Burning For You or Godzilla, but it's all right. They actually uh, played uh, Taste of Skokie um, a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, you know, yeah, I, always, they... I, I always make fun of that, but probably for the band, it's actually not, it's actually not a bad gig at all. Because you don't have to... 5,000 people or something. Well, well, exactly. And you probably get a, you know, a guaranteed, you probably get guaranteed money, right? Yeah, so it's, it's free, right? Yeah, so it's not like you're playing a bar and you're hoping people show up and you get just get a percentage of the door or whatever, you know? I'd, so, so which uh, which Blue Oyster Cult song are you gonna play? <laughs> you know, I only know one, and that's that "Don't Fear the Reaper" song, and that's because my brother used to play it fucking constantly. Because my brother was uh, he's seven years older than me, so he actually. He he got the Pistols album when it first came out. He actually went to a punk show before I did. He went to see the Stranglers in mid '77. Um, but he never really got into it that much. But you got to know "Burning for You." I'm burning, I'm burning, I'm burning for you. I mean, that was that might have been a bigger hit than "No Fear the Reaper." No, sir, I do not no. know that. And I, mean, I Godzilla, you don't know Godzilla? No, sir. Oh my god! Uh, no. I don't think Blue Oyster Cult actually had any hits in England. I'll be fair. Apparently, um, you should have went to Taste of Skogie. You could have heard all three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Taste of Skogie to see Blue Oyster Cult. I think War were playing as well. So yeah, I'm sure that would have been that? War. W-A-R. Oh, nice. Who is that? Low Rider, now, right? now, what did they do? Was that Lowrider? Yeah, Lowrider. That's it. Yeah, and I'm sure there's Ugh. like I'm sure there's like nobody from the original band in it. I don't even like JF JFA's cover of Lowrider. That's how much I don't care about that song. Well, that's a, that's a good. So, what do you think of JFA? JFA were always one of those bands to me that were just kind of almost too weird to to really get into. I like the concept I, of them, but I, I dig I dig them. I mean, they're. I don't know. I thought they were pretty much a straight up punk band. Were they from Arizona or something? They're from somewhere weird, weren't they? Yeah, they were skaters from Arizona. Yeah, um, yeah. I've got their I've got their first EP. But back then, I used to buy anything that had skateboards on the cover. There you go. So that's the reason I bought it. And actually, I'm kind of glad I did because that blatant localism EP is actually that's that's worth some mm, cash these days. So. But yeah. Um, so so you better play a song. We're 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 much further into this than you thought we might be. We thought we might be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> Sorry. Coronavirus strikes again. Um, <laughs> I am going to play something classic. I'm going to go back to. Um, Boy, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Well, we'll do <laughs> we'll do something newer next week, maybe or something. But yeah, I'm going to go back to um, 1978. One of my favorite albums, probably of 1978, when I only had only had like four albums. Um, it's off the first Generation X album, and mm. this song is called 100 Punks. So, mm, love yeah. it. Yep. So enjoy. Oh, sound, no sea ball, we call it when they fall. 
So there you go. That was Generation X with 100 Punks, um, a very young Billy Idol fronting yes. that band, of course, before he went on to fame and fortune as a solo artist. But uh, yeah, what a lot of people don't know is that uh, before Generation X, even he was in the band Chelsea for a while. He played guitar in the band Chelsea for a couple of gigs. Mm. And then him and Tony James decided they wrote better songs than Gene October. So they left Chelsea and formed Generation X and the rest is history. So, so if any of you are if any of you are not following the face the Punk to Day Facebook page, which is kind of taking on a life of its own, I think. Kinda, um, yeah, it we, has. Yep. We try to we try to put some stuff on there, um, but Neil put his collection of the King Rocker single, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So you got all four different colors. It took you like forty-one years to get them all. Yes. But there's a picture up of all the of uh, some a little bit of vinyl. And actually, what I might do, I haven't not checked that out yet. So, yeah. and that is what—that is what—that's the Punk Die Die podcast. Punk Die podcast on Facebook. Yep. Email is Punk Die Die seventy seven at gmail dot com. Yeah. So we ha- we haven't got any good hate mail lately. So yeah. So drop us a line and uh, and seriously, okay. and, you know, and if you're out somewhere, if you're at a gig or something, and want to review it or do anything to take some photos, whatever, you know, we'll we'll be happy to. If you put want them to up. give us free content? We'll gladly take it. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that that, that would be cool. But uh, yeah, maybe I'll put a maybe I'll take a picture of all my Generation X singles because I have, I think I got everything they ever put out. So. Uh, so they only did the two albums. They did two albums. Well, they did the two real albums as Generation X, and then they kicked out the guitar, uh, the guitarist and the drummer left, and then they got some like session guys in, and they did do a third album just under the name of Gen X, um, called, mm. called Kiss Me Deadly. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, that's got dancing with myself, the first version of dancing with myself on it. Okay. But uh, it's just got a, it's got different. It's I think it's got like Steve Jones plays guitar on some of it, and like so it wasn't a real band at that point. Did you? Did, what, what's your? You like Billy Idol solo? Um, I got a love hate relationship with Billy because uh, I love Generation X so much. I did. I did enjoy the first two Billy Idol albums. I have to admit. That'd be the self-titled and Rebel Yell. Yeah, yep, yeah. But after Rebel Yell, I kind of started to started Whiplash to lose Smile a little bit. Was that came out? Boy, that would have had to be about eighty-five, eighty-six. Yeah, I was a young. You were young. Young guys without a face, and oh yeah, I thought that I thought that record was pretty cool. I don't remember what other singles were on that, but Eyes Without a um, Face. I, that... I actually do like Billy Idol solo quite a bit, but it was definitely. I mean, I don't. I didn't think of him as a punk rocker. He was more like a pop. Not pop, but you know what I mean? He was just kind of a rock guy when I was a kid, right? Oh, yeah, and he had that was a Steve Stevens playing guitar, doing all that yeah, yeah, wacky shit does. on the guitar. Yeah. I had no idea who Gen X was until many, many years later. So, Well, he did that. To, actually, he did that. Him and Tony James, who was the original bass player from Generation X, they actually did that thing last year with um, Steve Jones and Paul Cook from the Sex Pistols. And, what was that? And they called it Generation Sex. And... Well, um, because you know, yeah, Steve. I can vaguely remember that. Yeah, Steve Jones has a radio show, so yep. somehow they got the four of them together on, and they uh, they actually played a set of a uh, combination of Generation X, X and Pistol um, Sex Pistols songs. Huh. So now it wasn't the classic Sex Pistols songs; it was like the stuff that Steve had written on um, Greatest Rock and Roll Swindle, like Silly Boy mm. and shit like that. 
Really? Um, yeah. They didn't do like Anarchy or nope. they didn't do God Save the Queen or anything? No, they weren't, you weren't going to have Billy Idol singing God Save the Queen. That wasn't going to work. It's too Johnny, huh? Yeah, it's too Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. So they did a lot of that other kind of stuff. But then they did some Generation X songs too and they did a pretty damn good job of it. And they threatened to tour every once in a while. So that would be kind of interesting. Did you, did you see the Pistols or no? No, God, no. No, they were long gone. I mean, they broke up. January 78 and I refused so you were only 15 or something yeah and I refused and that was in San Fran right so they hadn't toured England yeah yeah since 70 mid 77 Did, so you, and you didn't see him in the like 97 or whatever when they no did the I refused to go to any of those reunion see, shows I, I had an opportunity to go to that and it was in Detroit of course and I was young I mean I would I would have been I don't know early mid 20s or whatever but yeah I didn't go either and I but now I really regret that I didn't See, I don't. I, I, that's funny. I, I don't really, um, because unlike, you know, people might ask, well, you know, you went to see the Buzzcocks or you went to see this or that, but the Buzzcocks were still recording new material and they were still alive, an active band. And with, not playing hockey rinks. Well, yeah, when the Sex Pistols made it very clear, they were purely touring for the money. They Little weren't going to put out any. They weren't going to put out any any new stuff, and they weren't even a real band. It was just purely being done to to make some cash. So. I had no interest in seeing that. Well, if it wasn't for that template, we wouldn't have the Misfits, current Misfits reunion, right? <laughs> well, well, yeah, there's good and bad there, right, I guess, right? Um, yeah, which I also haven't gone and seen, and I had opportunity. I mean, they played in Rosemont or whatever. And yeah, if, like, you if you would have said, hey, let's go do this, I probably could have been talking to doing it, but you kind of had the same attitude about it I did. Like, why are we going to go watch the Misfits play in a hockey rink? No, if it had been, an, if it had been in any other venue in the city, uh, I might have considered it for a second, but the Rosemont Horizon is just such, it's such but a nightmare. Where else is it going to be? It's going to be at the United Center, which is no better, right? Uh, I would say maybe the Aragon or something. I mean, that's that holds 3,000. Yeah, but the, I mean, we're talking fifteen to 18,000. Oh, was it that big? I mean, was it that many yeah, people yeah, there? Yeah, it's, it's hockey rinks, right? Well, I mean, because I saw they the... They Madison Square Garden. Was that a whole 20,000? Uh, yeah, I, I can't think the Rosemont is that big. I saw the Who there doing a Quadrophenia tour five years ago maybe and it it didn't uh maybe so maybe it is that I'm big i'm just trying to figure like, like you know the, the last official misfit show was actually in detroit um and i i keep hoping they do a detroit show if they do i will probably go but I, even then like where are they gonna play are they gonna play little caesar's arena where the red wings play yeah i, I have no idea well, that's crazy um what talking about the misfits a second so um for the longest time, I was looking for um, Famous Monsters and what was that other album they did then with Michael Graves? American Psycho. American Psycho, yeah. So I was looking for them on vinyl because obviously they were issued at the time when See, that's mid '90s when yeah, CD was king, and so yeah. th like they did it like a Japanese only release or something, and it was super expensive. But then I saw last week that those things were reissued like last year or something like that on colored really? vinyl. So I was just. Did did you get those or any by any chance? No, Do you have those I, online? I, and I and I, and I wouldn't. It, it, those were those belong on CD only. I think. <laughs> Why'd you say that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't listen to. Honestly, I wouldn't listen to them enough to. Yeah. I mean, the only Misfits albums I have on the only Misfits I have everything they ever did on CD, but I have the only albums I have are Walk Among Us, which is their greatest album, and Static Age, which is not far behind. Yeah. Those are the only two things I have on vinyl, although. I don't know. Oh, no, no. And I have the Die, Die, My Darling 12-inch, okay. which is annoying because of the uh, different speed on each side. Yeah, one she... side is 45, one side is 33. See, it doesn't look like American Psycho was 
was reissued, but I'll swear that Famous Monsters was. I swear I saw a picture of it, but, you know, and those, it was on like neon green vinyl. Those albums weren't horrible. They just, it, it, it's, you know, I hate to sound like one of these comic book nerds, but to me, that's like all the non dancing stuff is what you call non canon if yeah. you were a Star Wars fan or a comic book fan or whatever. Um, so, yeah. Well, and I see, you know, so, you know, I'm a big dancing fan. On the, on the regular weekly Punk News podcast, I look for any excuse to talk about Danzig. John and I talk about Danzig all the time. I understand that Danzig is a heavy metal blowhard and probably a King Douche at this point. (laughs) King Douche, good name for a band. But uh, I love the first three, four Danzig solo albums. They weren't even solo albums. It was a real band. Danzig was a band. Like Alice Cooper or Lizzie Borden or one of those. You know, it was a band before it became essentially a solo pro. Well, I can't. I can't believe you went to Lizzie they're, Borden. They're, right? uh, I saw they're doing some shows where they play the eighties. Eighties here. Yeah. Um, I interviewed. I interviewed Lizzie Borden for uh, New Noise Magazine. I got to say, the guy was a bit of a prima donna. <laughs> a bit of a pain in the ass. He like he thought it was still nineteen eighty seven, and people actually still cared. Yeah, so. there's, there's five people at his show. Much. <laughs> um, but. Uh, but yeah, like like the Alice Cooper, you know, when you talk about Alice Cooper, the first five, I think, albums, six maybe, were the Alice Cooper band, which was a totally different animal. They were so good. They were a real band. And his soul stuff was way more hit and miss. Um, but yeah, Danzig's doing a bunch of shows where he plays his second album in its entirety. And you, like, you by, like that, I assume. Which is by far his best album. Hmm. Well, maybe not by far, but it's definitely his best album. But the problem is, he had such a great voice back in the day, and I don't, I don't know that he can sing those songs anymore. And plus, he's got a different guitar player. Uh, and that guitar player on the first albums had such a bluesy rock and roll style. The guy he has now, Tommy Victor, he's very good, but he has more of a metal-y... It's just not the same. I just don't think they can pull it off. Hmm. I think they would play my favorite songs, and they just wouldn't sound right. Well, now, what kind of venue would they be playing? Would they be playing like a 3,000? Well, they're doing festivals. I don't know if they're doing... Okay. I don't know if they're actually going to tour. There's a big festival called Cycle Las Vegas, which is like a... It's a heavy metal thing. Mm-hmm. Downtown Las Vegas. See, that's funny. You talked about Misfits on Vinyl. So the the two albums I have by the Misfits on Vinyl, I have I have Walk Among Us. I have the second press of Walk Among Us on Ruby Records. Yeah. And then I have... <laughs> I'm almost afraid, I'm ashamed to admit it. I got the Devil's Reign, <laughs> which I, was that okay, album. So, which is that album yeah, they put I know, out in 2011? Only front and, I got to tell you, I think that is a solid album. Yeah, it's not. It's not a bad album actually. And the reason I got it, it's got that weird ass um, that cover. That's what's that? What's that effect called? It's like almost like a 3D, like a 3D oh, printed yeah. cover kind of thing. I got to look at that up because I remember when I was looking at the Super Suckers albums, the one that Rick played on had that same kind of a cover it was like uh like the old like trading card thing where if you turned it one way it would yeah exactly it's not a, it's, not, it's not a hologram exactly it's a I, I can't think of what what that's what that's called what that effect but anyway um it was a i think it was a limited edition for like record store day or something like that and so you probably paid like 30 bucks for it um yeah i, I probably did and I, I and like you say it actually isn't a bad song it's got a i mean bad album it's got a couple of no uh, i think a couple it, of good mean, songs the on worst it. I think the worst of the Misfits full lengths is that Project 1950. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the fact of the matter is American Psycho and, and uh, 
famous monsters they they weren't bad albums they just weren't misfits albums you know yeah if they'd been done with a different name or something they of course nobody would have cared about it if they were done with a different name too. yeah there's, but no there's some great songs on on those albums though there really is some some really good ones yeah i think you know they were catchy i mean it was fine i mean it, it was a lose-lose situation dig up her bones is fantastic i mean you um, can't replace you could you, you can't replace Danzig. you know it's just it's impossible you mean Michael Graves doesn't isn't isn't fitting the bill for you? No, it's just you know he did the best he could. He wasn't horrible. He just yeah. wasn't Danzig. Yeah. Wasn't Danzig. Wasn't Danzig. Tell you what, what do you play? Uh, what do you play another song, buddy? Do you have anything? Okay. Yeah, I, I do. We're gonna go back. Okay, so we were talking to Rick about his time in the Super Suckers, and we played a song uh, on number seventeen that he wrote. But there was actually a hit, a minor hit on that album that got a little bit of radio play. And I, I kind of understand it now after talking to him that, you know, Nirvana was on Sub Pop. That label had a bunch of money and they were pumping a bunch of money into the bands. And that's probably why a band like the Super Suckers ends up touring with, you know, White Zombie and and the Ramones or whatever else. But there was a song on that album, on that sacrilegious album, the sacrilegious sounds of the Super Suckers. That was a minor hit. And I actually think it's a great like rock and roll song in the classic blues rock vein punk ish so let's let's play that one let's do uh super suckers born with a tail and this is from their uh sacrilegious album mid 90s their kind of classic album so super suckers born with a tail
Super Suckers, Born with a Tail. There you have it. So, yeah. You should revisit those Super Suckers. Yeah, I haven't really given them much of a chance, to be fair. Um, Knowing your taste as I do, I, I really think you could get I really think you get into those guys. Yeah. Great um, rock and roll song band. Great, like, punk record, punky rock and roll songs. Yeah, they, they played um, that one of those mini festivals in Chicago. I tried to have you come down. It's like the, oh, yeah. it's like the Bikes and Old Cars Festival, Motoblot, yep, yep, yep. um, yep. which is normally a really good day out. But... Um, they went on late, and we'd been there since like two in the afternoon. And uh, with them coming on at like nine or something, it was just it'd been too long of a day. Yep. It was hot and stuff like that. Yeah, the, so I think the we festival left. things are almost a almost a non-starter at this point, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just yeah. it's just too much. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather uh, see I'd rather see three bands playing a dark club at night than ten bands, you know, broad daylight. Well, especially in a open air festival like that when you'd be walking around looking at cars and old motorcycles and stuff like that all day and watching different bands on different stages you know drinking beer all day yeah and especially when you got kids with you and stuff like that it's like it's tough to stay till uh now the one time i did stay was i think like the year before that like naked ray gun was headlining and so we stayed for we stayed Mm. we stayed for naked ray gun but uh yeah, the super suckers was well. Gonna, last last year, it. it was the same weekend as that festival that we've been going to in Milwaukee, which is called Dummerfest. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you and I, make I it don't down. know if it'll be on the same weekend again. Yeah. And that Dummerfest, I've been twice, and it's definitely one of those things where I mean, last time we bought tickets without even knowing the lineup because we had so much fun the first time. So that's a good uh, a good little festival, but there wasn't a ton of bands last year that had a lot of name recognition to me. <laughs> But it was still fun. We had a good time. So. Well, I, I actually I actually gave Motoblot some feedback last year because I do I do that kind of thing, and I said you got to you got to up the bands because the bands last year like the Super Suckers was two years ago. So well, la- the Sham sixty nine played last year, right? Like they was the Sham Sham sixty nine. They were supposed to, but they canceled. Oh, did they really? So there was ba- I can't even remember who it was now, but it was a very very lame. But there was some psychobilly stuff and yeah, kind. It wasn't even yeah, psychobilly. No it was there was no big like punk headliner last no, year. No, there wasn't. There wasn't at all. And so I said, without Sham Sham sixty nine, you you guys you guys have got to up this. So um, this year they've already announced the Blasters are going to be headlining. I think on this mm. on a Saturday. So you know that's a name at least. See, you know, the Blasters are another one. You know they play in this tiny. They played in a tiny, tiny club here in Grand Rapids, like a hundred twenty-five person club, like on a Monday night. I don't know if they, I don't know if they could draw flies doing that or not. But yeah, um, you, sh- you, sh- you should go see them if you get the chance because they are they are fantastic, and you feel kind of. And um, I think Dave Alvin is singing um, now, and uh, he looks like I don't know what's happened to him, but he doesn't look well. So you <laughs> so better see him before they implode. Huh? Yeah, seriously. Um, when I saw, well, him I with... saw a couple of the guys from that band play with the Flesh Eaters 
did that tour last year. I know you and I, you, I, you know, and right. you and I kind of debated whether it was going, worth going to see. Yeah, it, yeah. it ended up being a pretty cool show. It wasn't amazing, but it was pretty cool. And I think there was two blasters. I think the guitar player, which is one, of, I want to say one of the Alvins, and then the, oh, no, 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 it was the drummer from Axe. DJ Bonebreak, yeah. But one of the guitar, it was one of the guitar players from the blasters. I don't know if it was the main guy who sang or the other guy. Yeah, there's Dave, the and, there's Dave and there's Phil, and I always forget which one is still in the blasters. And but he was real does. dapper, cowboy-looking dude. Oh, and that I case, mean, he dressed like a... Well, in that case, it, it wasn't it wasn't the one who was singing with the blasters because he looks like he's had a stroke or something. He seriously okay. doesn't. No, look this, great. Guy, this guy looked good and he uh, played played a pretty good slide guitar. It was, it was good. Yeah. So, but anyway, it, it, it's the majority of the original band as well. So it's kind of, it's kind of uh, you feel like you you're kind of watching history because I mean they they were right there, right at the beginning of LA at the punk rock scene in yep, '77. Yep. They kind of that that John Doe book that you and I both read or I yeah. read and you listened to or whatever it was that was uh, I know they were a band that everybody kind of looked up to I think yeah the, it was X X and the Blasters but they, the, you know they definitely exist at that weird intersection of they basically were just a rock and roll band but they could kind of kick out the jams hard enough that they could kind of crossover to that punk scene i guess well it's and it's funny i i, I got to be friends with uh, a lot of the early chicago rockabilly guys because it was the same thing because even though i was punk and they were rockabilly it was still we were kind of looked down on by everybody else right sure. so we like kind of yeah i kind of bond together and that's that's exactly what happened so and plus i've always liked rockabilly so there was uh it was a good mix right there and you like rockabilly you like ska you like everything as long as it's old huh yeah just not metal right yes <laughs> Well, because that's what I think that was that's the difference of coming up ten years later. It was the same sort of thing. Like as long as you were really into it, it was it was cool, you know, and it wasn't the mainstream metal or, or whatever, you know, it was kind of a kinship there. So well, we were we we were getting beaten up by bikers and by heavy metal guys when we were first getting into <laughs> Blister punk. Call fans. So yeah. No no no, they'd be just wearing like uh, velvet jackets and smoking. They, they wouldn't be doing any beating up. It was the Motorhead fans that would attack us, you know. There you go. Motorhead and ACDC, yeah. So I, I I think, you know, I think maybe we've, maybe this is the one. Maybe this is the episode, Neil, where we actually do an hour. <laughs> we, we just do an hour. You think we're, you think we've run out of steam, buddy, after yesterday? I think we're there. Well, we, it, it was, uh, like I said, it was definitely, this is definitely a different type of thing than that. And that was a load of fun. I hadn't laughed that much in forever it yeah. was a really good time yeah if we did that every week we, we could definitely not keep up our hectic pace <laughs> if it was like that every time yeah no shit if we did two hours and we did two hours every week yeah 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 go home to have to sleep sleep all through monday yeah but uh but no it was it was good and uh it was good for us to catch up a little bit you know we haven't we both mentioned that we haven't really bought any records so we'll have to get on that after our next guest hopefully we'll uh Rectify that situation. Yeah, I'll talk to uh, her about his record shop. Yeah, yeah. Is, is it big? So that, is, is it a big shop or is it small? No, it's tiny. It's about the size of a bedroom. And what maybe, kind of? Maybe a little bigger. Maybe is a little it, bigger. Now. Is it mainly punk rock stuff or what is he? What does he? What does yeah, he have? He he's a big metal and punk guy. So, and and he's more like I think he's like fifty fifty. Like me, it's like I'm like twenty percent thrash, eighty percent punk. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's he's like uh, yeah he's he's fifty fifty. Really, he really seems to walk that line. So, so yeah, it, it'll it'll be good. We'll talk to we'll talk to him, and uh, we uh, like I said, we'll we'll try not to have two episodes in a row where we 
<laughs> where we have a guest. Well, we have a guest. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, there is there is one thing I wanted to bring up. Um, I don't know why. Oh, whenever I say it's time to wrap it up, you always have one more thing to bring up. Yeah. I, well, I because I. I Got it in my mind, so before I forget it. So over the weekend, I did, for some reason, I watched a... There's a shit ton of music documentaries mm-hmm. on, on Amazon Prime. Yep. And But the problem is, the application is so difficult to navigate, you would never know it. Hmm. So the way I found them was, I think I just looked up some like punk documentaries or something like that, and then, or maybe it was a, a Sid and Nancy documentary. But as soon mm. as that comes up, then it shows you Oh, other people have also yeah, yeah. enjoyed, and so that's how I found. Got to find one to get down the yeah. rabbit hole, and and so that's how I found that there was a shit ton of like punk rock documentaries on it. So well, what do you what do you recommend? Anything you recommend? Well, let's see. What did I watch? I watched the I watched um, what we do is secret, the germs story, and that's not a documentary. That was like a yeah, it's 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 a movie, but it's actually really really well done. Right? You've no, seen I, that. I like that. I, I enjoyed that too. Yeah. Um, got a you know I got a fresh insight into Darby Crash you know now so yeah. that was a. Uh, that was very well done, and then I saw a documentary on Radio Birdman, the um, early Australian punk slash rock band. Um, interesting. It made them out to be. I mean, and it's funny. You'd think doing their own documentary, they wouldn't want to sla- uh, slag themselves off, but they come off as kind of being dicks. Did uh, they do it themselves? You think? Well, or they, they were they participated in it, right? Well, they were. Yeah, they were being interviewed all the way through it. I mean, so the different band members. There's like six or seven band members. There was a lot of people in that mm-hmm. band. But, uh, yeah, they come off as kind of pretentious dicks, to be fair. Mm. But uh, that was wor- it's worth watching. If you've never heard Radio Birdman before, it's worth watching. And then, cool, and then I saw one called uh, Punk's Not Dead, which was interesting. They had, a, they had a lot of different stuff from the, from the beginning right through, like, modern American punk. Um you know, hmm. nothing, nothing earth shattering, but uh, it, it was, it was, it was kind of well done. It was hmm. uh, about an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. It's worth worth watching. But uh, yeah, the Pennywise guys don't come off real well on it. But uh, <laughs> it it had some it had some good later interviews with uh, Charlie Harper and Dick and uh, Dick from the Subhumans, which you don't hmm. you don't see him interviewed ever. And, yeah, uh, they Dick probably Lucas. just think he's a homeless guy. Was ser- and that's exactly how it looks, man. It's frightening. He's been in this band that's been at the forefront of the anarcho, you know, anarcho punk for thirty something, forty years now. And it, he does. He looks like he <laughs> just a homeless guy that he rolled out of the gutter <laughs> to speak. He definitely but... uh, seems to walk the walk, right? Oh yeah, yeah. He lives it. He he lives it. And so does oh. Char- and so does Charlie Harper. Of course, he's probably pushing seventy now, and he's still like, no. Doing Charlie's it. in his seventies. Yeah. I think he's seventy five. Still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Boy. Yeah, he's funny. He's like the hero. The hero of every you know, kinda like a lemmy, almost a lemmy like figure, you know. Just like, man, if this guy can do it, I can do it. If yeah. this guy can find the strength to power through, I can power through. Good old Uncle Charlie. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that that one's what but anyway, yeah, Amazon Prime, yeah, try and uh try and find some of the hidden um gems on there. And the anti Nowhere League documentary is on there too. And yeah, so you, I gotta you should watch, I gotta dig that, that one out. That, that one is on my short list. Yeah, that one's really good. And that one is on there because I, I just I noticed it on uh on Saturday. Because the one the one I just watched was I just watched Danny Says, which is about Danny Fields, who was the early Ramones manager, but he he was he, he has an interesting story, kinda you know, he's like a Jewish kid from New York or whatever, and he just ended up going out to San Francisco, and I think he dropped out of Harvard or something like that. And he uh, uh, signed the Stooges and the 
uh, oh, wow. MC5 and stuff back in the day, and it was it was kind of cool, but it, unfortunately, it doesn't have enough Ramones. It only gets the Ramones at the very end. Oh, that's weird. But no, but it's a it, it's an interesting documentary. But it's definitely more about his life than, and he is a larger than life character. He's in his real early 80s now. He's oh, a wow, guy. still alive. Okay. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, he was when they made the video <laughs> the documentary a couple years ago. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, you know, the, as immortalized by the great Ramon song, Danny, Danny says, says, yeah. Ruined by the production of Phil Spector. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but anyway, I, I, if you're a music fan in general, that was, that one was pretty cool. That's the only one I've seen recently. All right. But well, I have this new, uh, I have this new, like, Amazon Echo thing that's got, like, an 8-inch screen on it so I can just, like, lay in my bed and set the TV on my belly now. I don't know. It might open up a whole new world to me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Go for it. It's probably, like, it's probably, like, a spy device, essentially. Yeah, it's listening I, to everything you to, say. Do I have to throw a blanket over it if I plan to do anything risque? Uh, I would I would put it in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I like to do. Uh, <laughs> Never mind. That's too much too much information, buddy. I'll tell you Maybe what, that. talking about that, I'm going to play a last song. I'm going to play, uh, the song is called Whips and Furs by The Vibrators. So, ah, excellent. Yeah, going back to 1977 off their first album, Pure Mania. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic record. Classic. Yep. So, Whips and Furrows by the Vibrators. So there you go. Whips and Furs by the Vibrators. Hope you enjoyed that. Great song. Great, great album. Um, punk punk staple, if you were. So, yes. Yeah, and, they, is great. and they still tour every once in a while. You'll still see them Whatever's coming out, even though I think the drummer might be the only original member left yeah, now. Yeah, I don't but, think it's very authentic at this point. Yeah. But. 
So yeah, I mean, if you're gonna watch a cover band, you might as well watch a cover band do vibrator songs. Yeah, that's very true. Probably be playing than, them, you know, playing them too fast, probably. But better than Harvest, right. a loving tribute to Neil Young or something, right? Oh Jesus, one of my <laughs> most one of my most hated artists of all time. <laughs> next time, next time we'll talk about that. I'll give you my top five of most hated bands of all time. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that'll be our that'll be our that'll be our talking point next yep. time. Is it Matt next week? Theoretically, as long as all it all works out, and uh, yeah, definitely a little more a little more subdued this week than. Uh, I shouldn't even say this week because this is actually not even been a week, but it's definitely a little more subdued today than than last time. We just can't keep up that manic pace. No, yeah, two hours yesterday so, was a lot. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, hey, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, Punk Till I Die uh, podcast on Facebook and Punk uh, Till I Die seventy seven at gmail dot com, and uh, we'll talk to you all again soon. Yep, you got it. Stay free, everybody. Okay, bye. See ya. Bye bye.